eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by STP. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today we are on location. We are at is it Max Pappas Incorporated? MPI. MPI. Max Pappas Innovations. Innovations. Max Pappas Innovations, better known as MPI. We're up around exit 36 or so on I-77, where a lot of race teams and shops and vendors and such are located. And that is where we are here today to talk to Max Pappas about, well, basically everything. The idea for this conversation, Max, started when I ran into you at the Phoenix International Airport on the rental car bus <laughs> of all places. Sometimes that's where the best conversations happen. At that time, kind of just fell into a discussion in which I learned that the first kart race you attended was the first kart race I covered. So I've been meaning to bring you on here for a long time. I'm glad we finally got a chance to do it. But maybe let's just start there. I mean, where your origins were in racing in America. That 1996 Long Beach Grand Prix, that was the, the first race you attended to meet Jimmy Vassar, Alex Zanardi. What memories do you have of, of 1996? and being at Long Beach? Yeah, the memories are many. You know, first of all, from, uh, as you can hear from my accent, uh, I'm not local. <laughs> <laughs> Racing has always been my passion. And uh, when we were, it's actually funny, what, you know, when we were talking about stuff on, on the bus, uh, on that 10 minutes conversation, you know, I really felt, you know, inspired. And I was talking about a lot of, you know, you, you made me recollect about a lot of, you know, special memories. And uh, that 1996, uh, you know, when we talk about cart, obviously, you know, cart w- was uh, what now is IndyCar. You know, was the highest form of uh, open wheel racing in America. I came out of a very tough season in Formula One in 1995. You know, I had my dream to go and race Formula One. I grew up in Europe, uh, racing go kart all my life. Did all the stepping stone to arrive to racing Formula One. When I arrived there, disappointed. You know, long story. Maybe we can talk about that another time. But I ended up uh, receiving a call from Ferrari, actually from Mr. Piero Ferrari, and uh, got invited to race in Daytona. The 24 hour. From there, you know, in 1996, my career changed. While I was in US, our my common friend Alex Zanardi was actually starting his uh, kart career. The funny story that I have is that uh, I showed up uh, all proud with my Ferrari shirt, uh, polo shirt, and everything. The Long Beach Grand Prix, and Alex uh, Zanardi looked at me and said, 
the spectator entrance is on the right. <laughs> All right. Love you too, Alex. This was Alex Zanardi's rookie year, I think, in Cart. It was 96. Yeah. And uh, I went there to Long Beach. You know, it was uh, my first, you know, big event that I've seen in America. And uh, uh, besides, uh, you know, my first uh, stalker experience that was sitting on the grandstand at Daytona watching, uh, I didn't know who they were, but I figured out in about 20 minutes that actually Dale Herner was actually testing his car in 96 uh, on the banking of Daytona before my, you know, before the open test of sports car racing. Uh, so that was my, actually my first real, you know, Long Beach was my first uh, experience and uh, got to see Jimmy Vassar winning uh, his, uh, you know, Long Beach Grand Prix. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, my friend Alex Zanardi finished second. You know, great memories. I was really excited to see a special person, someone su- super close to my heart like Alex uh, Zanardi. You know, we grew up together, you know, we had, uh, you know, his dad uh, helped me out as uh, my mechanic in go-kart. I helped Alex out uh, through his career, helped each other, like, you know, assistant mechanic, whatever you want to call it. So in all the relationship, and I was actually really pleased to see his dream coming through. So good, great first experience for me. And people can't really appreciate it now, unfortunately, because so much has transpired since then and so much was happening at, the, at, at that time. But that was the year of the split, and that was the year the Indy Racing League was formed, was in 96. And at the time, kart was still the dominant open-wheel racing series, IndyCar-style series. I mean, and I think people can't appreciate like what a magical time it was you had yourself you came in in 97 max as a a full-time rookie but back then you also had greg moore you had adrian fernandez you had zanardi you had vassar uh the next year you had tony canon and elio castroneves come in and obviously indycar fans are still very familiar with them the atmosphere then i'm sure like when you think back on what that series was like it just must be astounding to think how good things were or or seemed at that time it's pretty simple you know how would i describe uh what I went through to people is very simple. When I came to the United States during that time, there were the best stocker racers dedicated to stocker NASCAR and the best open wheel racer in America dedicated to kart. Uh, there were two very separate uh, divisions. They had their own fans, people that you know, love stocker, they were dedicated to that. People that loved open wheel, they were dedicated to that. There was not really much, from what I remember, not much of crossover or controversy. There was a lot of respect between the two, the, the two products. And obviously, it was uh, the mecca for open wheel. As I always said, you know, I got validated, you know, my ability of a, of a, as a risk driver got validated because I competed against uh, Michael Andretti, Jimmy Vassar, Bobby Rahal, Alex Zanardi, just to mention some. Some of the best American racers, some of the best uh, worldwide racers. And the fact that I got accepted into the American sport uh, in terms of racing, it was the fact that uh, the senior guys validated my own ability. And I always say the same things, you know, who would be Carl Larson if Jimmy Johnson would not be there? Who would be Jimmy Johnson if Jeff Gordon would have not been there, if Mark Martin would have not been there? And I feel that the back in, you know, during those areas, you know, eras, there was an opportunity for a younger kid to get established and actually make a name for himself mm, up to the fact that uh, when Bobby Rahal retired, you know, he chose an Italian guy like me to substitute him in the Miller Lite car. If I think back to that 1996 race, uh, it, it was definitely an American dream. You know, it was yeah. a dream coming through. And you, uh, you had a successful career in kart. You uh, made 113 starts, had three wins in I believe, 2001. Was that, was that when you were driving the Miller Lite car for... 
for yep. Ray Hall? All, yep. all of those? Okay. Absolutely. And yeah, all, all my successes came, uh, you know, driving for Bobby Ray Hall yeah. in Chemcar. I mean, when you look back at your racing career, was that sort of, the, was that the pinnacle when you raced against that caliber of competition with those teams and on those circuits? Or obviously you had a very distinguished career in sports cars and you've done well for yourself in NASCAR and, and you had that stint in Formula One. I mean, you've, you've driven a lot of things. I think it's unfair to compare one thing to another, championship to another championship, one driver to another driver. I can only tell you that competing uh, in stock car racing, competing in champ car, competing in sports car against the best of the world was, uh, it validated my ability. And uh, for a kid that was born in a thousand people village in the north side of Italy, it's uh, pretty much a honor. I would have never thought that I would have gone that far. The ability and the fact of to be able to be to compete at that level, and most of all to be appreciated by most of the competitors, yeah. you know, that has been uh, something that uh, I felt has been the highlight uh, of uh, what I've done in my life. Let's pause the podcast right here, and I'll bring in my wife Jody to talk about Blue Apron. It's been a while since you've been on here to talk about Blue Apron, but that isn't because you haven't been enjoying it. <laughs> You're right. I know your fans have missed me too. They have, uh, because they love hearing you talk about Blue Apron, which is the ingredient and delivery service in the country. Its mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, and it achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs such as yourself. Yeah, it's lots of fun. I always like getting our Blue Apron delivery that comes right to our front porch and just open it up. It has all our food that's ready to be made, and it's super easy to follow the instructions. Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. And as a result, the seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. The beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals, and the produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. I know that you're always looking for the most environmentally conscious items that we can possibly put our table Definitely. to eat, correct? Right. We want to be good and help the environment whenever we can. I know also that you are not a wasteful person. You're very efficient, and Blue Apron ships the exact amount of each ingredient requir- required for a recipe. That's my favorite thing, actually, which is like no waste. If you need one teaspoon of basil they'll give you exactly one teaspoon instead of like five cups it's the way that they're reducing food waste by shipping the exact amount of each ingredient required which is great cooking builds strong family bonds as you can see from our (laughs) promotion here blue research shows that blue apron families cook nearly three times as often i feel like we've cooked a lot more together (laughs) i i've been there in the morally supportive role if not always the culinary support role blue apron families cook nearly three times more often and those who spend a lot at restaurants or high-end grocery chains now spend under ten dollars per person for delicious meals so that's one of the great things about blue apron is it's a really good deal i think yeah they think if they said it averages out to ten dollars a meal which is you can't get that in a restaurant let's uh get to your favorite part some of the featured upcoming meals warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons spicy or excuse me spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice elote style vegetable tostados with summer squash poblano peppers and cilantro rice that piqued your interest yeah well that's the other great thing i think about blue apron is they have meals that you would never ever think to try or make yourself usual unusual and exciting things also coming this week 
peach honey glazed chicken with mashed sweet potatoes, collard greens, and Thai basil. Do any of those strike your fancy? Or what do we have coming? Because you just ordered something. Yeah, we have some coming. I can't remember quite what it was, but it all looked delicious. Well, not all ingredients are created equal, Jody. So fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference. So it's important to know where your food comes from, as we discussed. Again, Blue Apron is affordable, less than $10 per person per meal. You can also choose from a variety of new recipes each week. Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. The recipes are not repeated within the same year, so you'll never get bored. You can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. Blue Apron has several delivery options, so you can choose whatever fits your needs. There's no weekly commitment. You only get deliveries when you want them, and each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. I know that's one of your favorite parts about this is they make it really easy. Yeah, it's, it's very easy with the instructions that they give. Step-by-step instructions and also a freshness guarantee that promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives right or they'll make it right. So here's the best part. You should check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping. I can't emphasize what a great deal this is by going to blueapron.com slash car. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Go to blueapron.com slash car. This is the NASCAR and NBC podcast deal. You can go there and get your first three meals free with free shipping. This is a great deal, right? Yeah. My parents actually just capitalized on this deal. They got some. Yeah. All right. Hope Ron and Dee enjoy their Blue Apron meals. They went to blueapron.com slash car. You should too. Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. You worked obviously very, very hard. Every racer does. Every driver does to, to get to that level and then to win on that level and then to have it essentially, if things have been different, and I'm sure that you probably don't want to play this game too much because it would probably drive any driver crazy. And a lot of it's, it comes down to just breaks and being in the right place, right time. But you win in 2001 and then pretty much 2004 is when cart imploded and became champ car and then eventually led to four years later the merger if if things have been different do you ever wonder about like hey i could have been racing at indy or i could have been like you know top of the ranks in the the open wheel division the united states i tend uh, to think that god put in front of me you know my life uh, in the way that it was supposed to be with the challenges and the good things so i am I'm i'm not a believer in luck of being at the right place at the right time. I believe in hard work, I believe in execution, and I believe in uh, committing to a task and a goal, figure out processes to achieve that goal. If I have to look back at retrospective, what happened with Open Wheel, it definitely crashed the dream, my dream and the dream of uh, several other kids, for sure. What could have been? Let's put it like this. I didn't realize exactly when I was talking to people like Michael Andretti and we were racing kart back then you know he was telling me that uh, the fact of the split was uh, taking away the best year of his career to race in indianapolis i didn't grow up in us so i knew what indianapolis was because i never raced there i didn't have appreciated the the legacy behind it the indianapolis area when you were racing kart uh, was not a place where your kart team really wanted to see you around so i feel that obviously I didn't have the opportunity to go and experience what Indianapolis was until I had the, I did it on my own with that achiever. And I really understood exactly back then what Michael was telling. I just feel that uh, for a lot of circumstances, egos of people, it came, the egos of a lot of people came in the middle of, uh, 
of the dreams of racers. Am I satisfied with what I've done in my career there? Yeah, could I have done more? Of course, you know, like uh, it was my, my faith and my path to, to do what I did, you know, and uh, figure out things the way I did. I would say like, you know, if, if uh, what, what happened, what would have happened over there in CART, you know, if the situation would have been, if everything would have run smooth, maybe we would have never even been here, me and you talking about it. I always say like uh, everything has a meaning. In life, you can be bitter about it or you can, so you can see it as a challenge and as a, and a way that uh, things evolve and has been put in front of you for the correct reason. That's what I think about it. How many times did you race the Indy 500 then? Just I raced it twice and both times uh, for a cheaper. And it was my own will to go there. You know, <laughs> I, I wanted to see what it was and I figured out a way to, to make it happen. I'm a very fortunate person and, uh, and the things that I see nowadays, uh, what it was, what happened, happened. You cannot go back and fix the past. What someone like Jay Fry is doing at the moment for, uh, for IndyCar, you know, I wish that this era would have been maybe postponed because uh, egos are gone. You know, like, you know, there are, there's a common goal, making, you know, create success path for the younger people. Keep fueling the dream. There were different challenges put in front of me. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of every single step that I took in my career. Something else uh, that came up on that Phoenix rental car bus ride when we were talking about Long Beach is you brought up the fact that... You have a really good memory. Well, I, I took notes a- afterward <laughs> because that, that conversation stayed with me, obviously. Well, you told this great story about somebody from NASCAR that you met at that time or around that time, somebody who was uh, putting up tents in cart paddocks. I think it was because of the connection with Cal Wells. Jimmy Johnson, you met around that time in the mid-90s when he was just this chubby kid from San Diego race trucks. <laughs> um, take Absolutely. us back to what that was like. I mean, it's uh, it's funny. What you just mentioned is that, you know, sometimes, you know, how things happen and you don't know why they're happening. I was racing for our Sierra Wells, you know, and our Sierra Wells, they were, they were running uh, Ivan Stewart. In the in the off road, you know, obviously Evan Stewart, the Iron Man legend, and the Dale Earnhardt of like desert truck racing, basically. I mean, like a a guy racing the Baja One Thousand with no gloves, open face helmet, twenty four hour. You can only be called Iron Man. Yeah. Anyway, so because of him (laughs) and this connection, uh, there was this kid. Yeah. He used to come around. This kid, I mean, I don't know, like maybe he's not that much younger than me, but you know, there was this guy coming around all the time, and uh, I remember very clearly in the paddock, uh, you know, we were always setting up the awning. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't, I'm not, I, I don't have great, great memory of the years, but I think it was 97 or 98, something like that. My mechanic was setting up the awning at Long Beach. I was there, I was helping them out, and this, uh, this guy was helping them out as well. And uh, then we would start talking a little bit, and uh, that guy, he was actually Jimmy Johnson. And uh, <laughs> I remember talking to him. He was racing off-road and he was trying to, he, I think he was racing, he's starting to race late model. And actually, Jimmy was pretty chubby back then. And uh, I was joking to him, you know, I was joking with him. And I, I looked and I say, so Jimmy, are you actually training to become a stocker driver? <laughs> you know, because back then, you know, like the lot, the, you, know, you could see that, you know, stocker driver were, you know, bigger built and everything. That guy that uh, was training to become a stocker driver showed up in front of me at Sonoma, starting on the third row, I believe, or second row. When I went and see one of my first stocker race, went up looking up, up and down in the grid. I look up the name. And I went like, Jimmy Johnson? The race was over. And I look and I say like, 
Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> yes. And Same uh, kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it would have been know, like six or seven years later that you were at Sonoma and, and yeah. saw him racing. Yeah. No, obviously, right? you know, yeah. I always kept in touch somehow, yeah. you know, through people and friends and relationship. But, you know, it's... Uh, Sometimes, you know, that tells you how special relationships are. And, uh, you know, there are certain things that goes definitely beyond the sport and uh, the respect and the relationship with Jimmy. It's something that is dear to my heart, to my family and everyone. And uh, is uh, one of those things that uh, there is definitely extended way beyond racing from setting up an awning to seven time champion. Amazing. To think uh, about. It's just a, it's just an honor for me to see that good things can happen to good people. Okay, we'll pause the podcast right here to tell you about a product from our presenting sponsor, STP. It is the Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer. For more than 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines perform at their best. And this newest product, the STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline. I've always been a fan of efficiency in cars and improving mileage, and I've used products such as these. They're really simple. You just put it in your gas tank. So one bottle of the SDP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. It helps keep fuel fresh during storage especially in engines that are stored over an extended period of time. This is something I know well as the owner of two used cars. The STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer also is compatible with all two- and four-stroke engines, including lawnmowers, boats, and motorcycles. So you should check out STP's newest product, the STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer. delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline. Check it out. And now let's return to our conversation with Max Pappas. Around 2004, Hendrick, which is around the time, 2004 is when you lose the cart ride and things are are probably in flux for you. And Hendrick calls and says, hey, we need help, Max, with improving our road course program. It was actually the opposite. It was Max Pappas that (laughs) bothered them (laughs) to death until... They said, okay, you've been calling 500 times, I think, is the time to, to actually <laughs> Either get. way, persistence yeah. pays off. So you get to go and test some road course packages for Hendrick to help them improve their transmissions. You have a crash, and you, you tell them, hey, like I think I can improve your steering wheels here. And Jimmy starts to use your the, the Max Pappas-designed steering wheel, and that that is led that was 13 years ago and it's led to where we are today here in Morrisville with this business so I'll let you explain that yeah the story is, is a little different you know but it's, it's pretty close basically yeah. you know after pestering uh, Mr. Ken House and everyone at Hendrick Motorsport uh, about trying what the stocker cars were I got a chance to sit in the car tested and then you know the value that the, my first uh, four days of testing were worth it when they started the COT development they called me up and I start uh, driving the COT on road courses and uh, doing all that development for them. During that time, obviously, you know, we are R&Ding, doing different things. And uh, I remember wrecking the car. When that happened, I had a minor injury to my wrist. You know, I analyzed that. I was looking at it, and I couldn't understand exactly why I did that. Because uh, champ car days, you know, I hit the wall at Fontana at 240, broke quite a lot of things or hurt myself, you know, but not that, not my wrist. Analyzing that, looking at it, you know, talking to, you know, 
Jimmy talking to Chad, you know, understanding a little bit on the brainstorming ideas. We realized that, I realized, and thanks to their help as well, it was that there was no technology applied into the, into the steering wheel they were using. It was actually an interesting story because, uh, you know, during that day, during that, those years, uh, we were, I remember, you know, the effort that Hendrik did in, in developing the, the carbon fiber seat. And uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I was one of the first guy actually to sit and doing that uh, development test for them. And we were looking at the amazing evolution of the seat that came out of uh, a lot of uh, R&D and, intel- and, and, and technology. And that was not related to the steering wheel side. So pretty simple, start working on it, came up with an idea, talked obviously with Jimmy. I'm not really sure if he was already the champion or, or was pretty close and I know it was like up there but for me Jimmy is always Jimmy it doesn't matter if he's seven time or one time or zero time champion anyway talking to them you know developed you know looked at looked at the product and uh, came up with an innovation you know where I basically applied my knowledge about uh, steering wheel and about safety into the new product I had an, a, a steering wheel manufacturer initially building that product for me we built we did it just for as a courtesy or if you want to call it maybe as a you know when they needed it, you know we were you know providing that to, you know to Jimmy Johnson you know it started from there obviously he's a, Jimmy's an innovator he is always ahead of the curve in doesn't matter if it is a safety training or whatever right if I, something can give him an edge is on it and I felt I said you know like Maybe this can save uh, Jimmy Johnson from being out of the car for a race, can save him money, can give him better opportunity for performing. And everything started from there. And I remember that step by step and now uh, people in HMS start to really look at what he was doing, what he was using. And people, all the other teammates start using the product. And we went from having few product in the garage built by a manufacturer to actually start our own steering wheel, MPI. And we arrived this year at the Daytona 500 with every single cup car using an MPI steering That's amazing, wow. And I'm just amazed of, uh, you know, how a dream can come through and uh, servicing the sport, you know, providing better safety can lead into something that uh, he developed, uh, you know, it led into creating a business. This is a true American dream. Whatever is going to, it can end up. You never know. You know, yeah. we know that uh, we went from the garage now to, and we are here in an office being able to talk to you about it. And uh, my pride is uh, servicing the sport, providing better product, not just for the cup guys, but, uh, you know, using that technology, you know, in making the quarter midget kids uh, safer and better, the late model guys, you know, the dirt guys, uh, the off-road people. Right. And uh, if that will lead, uh, you know, into a you know, big business in the future, great. If this will lead into my satisfaction of being able to say that I helped the sport and uh, through the process I made myself better, that would be it. So a lot of it is, as you say, Max, it starts with Jimmy using one of your wheels and then the other Hendrick drivers. And then when that happens, word of mouth spreads, racers put stock in what other racers say. And when you have somebody with those credentials, then that really helped probably get you to the point where 2017, every driver in the biggest race of the year is using your wheel because 10 years earlier the seven-time champion said hey this is what i want to use right absolutely like you know i would never be able to be to say thanks enough to someone like jimmy but at the same time i know he was not a premeditated premeditated thought i did for with him and with hms what i would expect someone to do for me if i was in that position it was not a secondary thought of like let's 
work with Jimmy Johnson or Hendrick Motorsport because they are who they are. I'm a pretty simple person, how I look at things. I felt it was a great opportunity to help a special friend in an amazing organization to do something innovative. And out of that, a lot of ideas came up. As, uh, as you mentioned, I always say, like, uh, if you plant the right seed and the things are done for the right reason, usually good things happen. And that's what I'm trying to share with all the kids on the racetracks and all the people that I was just a kid with a dream. I'm born in Barasso, Varese, 900 people village. Is it 30, 30 minutes from Milan? Like that is close to, you know, it's like being 30 minutes from New York, obviously. I'm born in 800 people village with no racing background on, on anything. And I've been able to achieve tremendous goals that, that would, were just a dream when I was sitting on my go-kart at 11 years of age. I feel that uh, my duty in the sport is... Uh, showing that uh, things can happen one more question about the, your business and about like you, as you said you it's not just cup you've got late models and and go-karts and and uh, i see sprint car drivers out there when I, I took the tour of the the lobby here at mpi and you told this great story every week you guys have a board out there where you put up the numbers of the winners obviously there's gonna be a cup guy i guess on that board every week when there's a cup race but you also mentioned xfinity champion from a few years ago who when he was 12 years old which would have been about nine years ago, called you Chase Elliott and said that he was interested in using one of your wheels. And now obviously he's, it, it's not just about every cup driver is going to use your wheel. It's that you get them early and start with them early and progress and show them that they build trust in you like Chase Elliott did when he was running. I guess, what would he have been running in? It was, uh, it was his first season from, uh, uh, from legend into a late model. As you mentioned, you know, like, you know, I have one philosophy that we apply here in MPI with, all, with my team of people that is servicing the sport, providing the sport with what they need, you know, focusing on safety, great customer service, listen to the customer and give them what the, the product that they need. We take this as an example. When we start, uh, we develop the product for dirt racing. You know, I talked to Tony Stewart. I talked to Donny Schatz. Donny, he asked me, he needed, he said, I would, need, I would like to have this and this and this and this in my product. We developed it, done it on the track, two times Knoxville, Knoxville National Champions with our product, uh, World of Outlaw Champion. The reason why I'm, you know, I'm telling you that is that uh, the same philosophy that, apply, that we use with those top guys, we translate it down all the way to the, the quarter midget guy, to the eight years old, to the kid that I was. On that board, on all our Instagram, all our, all our socials, what we do every week, we make this younger racer's dream about the possibility to be there one day. If the dream is uh, being on the same uh, board with the winner of the cup race, winner of the Xfinity race, winner of the truck race, and you won maybe the local event uh, in, in the Midwest uh, or in the dirt car or in the quarter midget, I, I feel that that fueled the dream and the passion for the sport. And at the end, contributing in making the sport better is my duty not just for my own business, but it's my duty as a, as a racer in order to continue the dream that I had, to let kids dream. And a lot of times, uh, if that dream will only be them learning how to be more respectful toward other guys or learning a process that can be applied in their life, not everybody can be eventually NASCAR Cup champion or IndyCar champion or Daytona 24-hour winner, but you can learn a lot of things in life. And I feel what I've been doing, being on the track and talking to the people and talking to the young racers, a lot of times uh, all these younger kids, they thank me 
when I go to the track and I share a couple of things with them. And a lot of times I tell them, I am the one who thank you because I was you. Me being able to see the joy that you have in your eyes and everything is this is what made fuel my day every day to be better and give back to the sport. And if that will translate into creating a and that is slowly translating into creating a business, the possibility will be infinite. Whatever that will, whatever God has planned for me, you know, on that side and for my family, we will take it and uh, we will we will go with that. But always uh, applying our values and our principle, you know, because those are the things we live by. And you saw it happen with what might be the, the, the greatest NASCAR driver in history. You, you saw him before anybody knew him and he had the persistence and stuck it out. You knew him, as you said, the the chubby kid from right outside San Diego. And it's funny, now we know him as the, the really ultra-fit marathoner, cyclist, triathlete in training. Do you still give him grief about knowing him when he was a little bit less in shape <laughs> than he is now? What I think is the epitome of being a champion. Nobody told Jimmy Johnson that he had to train. Right. Nobody told him that. Right. You know, there are some people that are self-motivated, like he is. And some people that need to be motivated. I have a clear memory. One day during my uh, days here in Charlotte, when riding with Jimmy, you know, we went out riding around uh, his, you know, his neighborhood. After, you know, maybe I don't know, one hour. I don't remember. After after a short time, we went back. You know, we went back to his house. I thought that that was just the beginning of the training, <laughs> and uh, I didn't have uh, to say anything else. I can tell you this, you know, that I remember Jimmy calling me and talking about uh, wanting to know everything about uh, the level of fitness that I had, what I did, the instrument, the processes. I still remember sharing with him, uh, uh, giving uh, giving him as a present uh, the first uh, heart rate monitor. You know, one of the first. I don't know if he's the first, but basically <laughs> one That's of the cool. first things. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I'm just telling you this. Uh, I don't want to take any ownership or anything no I but i just share this with you guys and all the all the guys at home to understand that uh, there are a lot of things behind being a champion and uh, the doctor doesn't tell you what's the recipe you know inside your heart and if the recipe is uh, being able to go and try harder there are some people that for them maybe the recipe that uh, someone like jim is using doesn't work and they're better off uh, not doing anything, show up to the track and race. So other people that they get motivated like 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 uh, Jimmy and doing a lot of things. Being able to have been exposed and going back to what you just mentioned, you know, I could have been here talking to you and being negative about uh, what happened, if that would have been, if this, sure. you know, if then. And I, I looked at myself, I say, I've been able to work with Hendrik Motorsport with Richard Childress Racing. And I will for sure now make someone upset because I will forget. <laughs> I, Joe Gibbs Racing with Penske, with Bobby Rahal, with Ferrari, with Corvette Racing. I mean, you name it. Yeah. You know, in, in, with Ferrari in Formula yeah. 1, with Lotus in Formula 1. Yeah. And, and I feel I can shake the hand of Mr. Penske or Mr. Hendrick. If my career would have been a different career, maybe I would have never had these opportunities. So I learned something from each of them. And I try to make it my own and apply to my everyday life. If that is with my family, with my kids, in my, bo in my business, I feel that I'm blessed even in the challenges that happen, you know. And the challenges that happen are nothing yeah. in compared to what real life is because I would give everything back if I could have uh, my dad, uh, you know, back here again and saved him from the pancreatic cancer he had. 
you know, we are here for a short time and it's, uh, you know, it's my job to give back. I have two more for you, Max, and, and they're related to what you just explained there about just the, this vast experience that you have in racing. I mean, you've raced NASCAR, you've raced kart, IndyCar, you've raced F1, two starts in Australian V8 supercars, A1GP, you know, sports cars, the list is endless. Obviously, that was where you, you made a lot of your bread and butter was, was how you did there. And this stems from that conversation we had back in November where you said that if you could do it over again, you probably would have chosen NASCAR maybe from the outset. If you had to rank series, there were three that you would put up there right at the top, and they were MotoGP, V8 supercars, and NASCAR. And you, you said at the time that NASCAR is pure because it has the human spirit and experience and still about chasing dreams. How is NASCAR different from that perspective, from those other series? What, what have you seen here in being a part of this area in this series? I mean, I'm extremely impressed of your memory. <laughs> I know, I guess and, I just and took and notes. notes. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I take notes too. Yeah. You know, but anyway, They're helpful in times it's, like these. It's awesome. I love that. You know, the reason why I mentioned you about if I knew that NASCAR was as pure as it is, at least within what I see, I would have uh, definitely dedicated myself uh, more to that yes. initially. Obviously, it's a little bit because uh, I got uh, my dream, you know, over there in open wheel got deceived a little bit. Right. You know, that's for sure. It must be part of that as well. But at the same time, what I love about stock car racing, people come before the equipment. In the beginning, I had to wrap my head around on the fact that, think about you know, a kid like me, come from Formula One, sports car. You have all the technology in the world. People in the pit, they can see everything you do. Everything, you know, yep. with the telemetry data. I show up in stock car racing, there is nothing in, during the race. While in practice, you have what you had, you know, in practice, in testing, you have what you had, uh, what I had in the past. My experience in stock car racing started with all this technology in the car because I was testing. When I ended up, when I sat in the car at Sonoma to do my first, uh, you know, race for, you know, in cup, in a, in a road course, I had nothing. I had no data, no nothing. And I learned the fact that uh, the reason why the sport is still pure is because the money are put into the people. You cannot buy Jimmy Johnson experience. You cannot buy Kevin Harvick experience. You cannot buy Mark Martin experience. You cannot buy Chet Knauss experience, uh, Rodney Childers. That experience has to be built. And I feel that the ability is the fact that they recognize that the people in my opinion, people come before the machine. Same things for MotoGP. I have a lot of friends there. I grew up uh, around motorcycle. Besides all the technical reason, long braking zones and everything, where it makes racing better, but we don't want to go into that technical details. What makes the sport great? Is it getting, you know, is the sport getting polluted a little bit more by all the technology? Obviously, you know, you can't stop the technology. You can't stop the progress. But the re the human factor is big. Why I got hired and I've always been considered one of the road racing uh, ex expert in NASCAR. Right. Besides me winning my first champ car race on a novel, I, I always told the people, say, if to get in NASCAR, I need to be considered <laughs> a road racing expert. I take it. Doesn't matter. But the reason why I got that is because uh, I felt I knew how to he'll tow the car and do certain things, you know, using the clutch with my left foot, certain things that I knew how to shift properly, things that I took for granted before. And I learned that uh, keeping that as a human factor difference, differentiate who can do it or who can't. And it actually give a reason for a sponsor to invest, 
for team to pay people in different way. And actually, even the spectator can see if someone missed a shift or not. Certain things that now we're getting away from it, you know, because of the technology is taking over. But I still feel that racing is an entertainment sport. The guys on the grandstand doesn't know if I shift in five milliseconds by hand or with a pedal shift or, you know, if I have a four-speed gearbox. The more the sport allows the human factor to make a difference, the more the human will be the, the protagonist in the show. Obviously, cars and everything is important. But at the end of the day, we made cars. Human made cars is not the opposite. That's what I try to remember all the time. You know, yeah. Technology is great, it's an advantage, but it's there for us to be used, not to be abused. So obviously growing up in, in Como, Italy, you're not going to be aware of stock cars and NASCAR. When you were growing up in, in the 70s there, you, you were you were focused on Formula One for obvious reasons. So th- there would be no way that you could really know at that point, oh, I should go to America and focus on this. But I, I'm just curious, like, again, asking you just to second guess things, but I did a story for USA Today on Boris said when I talked to Ray Everham about Boris said I think Boris had driven for his team a couple of times on road courses and Everham said something to the effect of if if Boris could have gotten in at the time he was in his mid-40s if he could have gotten in at 25 he would have been a star in in cup you ever have those same feelings that like if you could have gotten that start in NASCAR in 1996-97 as opposed to kart like maybe things could have been different of course you know I think about that all the time you know and it's actually funny that you mentioned Ray Everham because uh Ray was the first ever, ever person that gave me an opportunity to test a cup car that I pestered in my head. <laughs> I, I remember going to Kentucky and test the Dodge with, with uh, Bill Elliott. He was a great mentor for me. And uh, I, give you, I give you this. You know, I was over in Europe. Obviously, there was no technology, nothing. You know, but I, uh, there was no way to know really much what was happening here except buying uh, magazines and reading about it. You know? I knew about Dale Hernard. I knew about the Daytona 500. You know, I knew obviously about Indy 500. People all the time telling me that my personality and the way I am to go about life would have been perfect fit for America. If I look back, obviously, you know, and I don't, I look back to learn, but I don't look back to complain. It would have been an amazing uh, journey because I really feel that my personality and the way I am, you know, fits greatly with the uh, stocker racing. But I guess that was not the plan. I can tell you that definitely when I got to know the people within the industry better, I just felt stock car, V8 supercar, MotoGP people in general, they brought me back to when I was 12 years old and why I love the sport. And that's why I think it's so enlightening for me. And as well, you know, when I, when I start Chemcar back in the days, it was very similar, you know, and now they're trying to bring it back to that level that it was. So I feel it would have been a great opportunity, but at the same time, you know, I played my part. You know, I'm the European guy with most NASCAR start in the history. I didn't you know, know that. That's yeah, a good start. Yeah, with yeah. I mean, yeah, you had your buddy the Apple there in 2009, yeah. 2010, which your main racing. Absolutely. Where you raced you know, a lot in Cup. Yeah. You race quite a bit, you know, between Cup trucks and everything. So I had few chances at having opportunity to compete for success. And the few one I had in stock car racing, I felt that I made the best out of it. But the most important things are the memories and the relationship I was able to create. Some of them translated into results. But as I always say, those trophies, those successes, that not that they do not define who you are. It's the story you write in your life that define who you are. And I like to think that I am writing my own story there is still a lot of pages left 
tonight. Yeah. There's, there's a lot we didn't cover, so I'm hopeful we can do this again sometime. We still got to talk F1, Ayrton Senna, sports cars. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, as I told you, like I love to show and share the person that is behind the steering wheel. Yeah, the yeah. person that is behind Mad Max. And I learned from a great person, Mike Hall, the general manager of Ganassi Racing in IndyCar. He told me, at times people see in you what you don't see in yourself. And that's what makes the difference. I know that this will be something for the future, you know, but like, I think this is exactly right. I went to RCR, you know, drive and, and, and race in the Xfinity Championship, and they ended up building amazing relationship and work and and advise Austin Dillon and Ty Dillon. Same things, you know, with Joe Logano. Went there to JGR, testing, developing the car, and I felt that I created a relationship. I don't want to say mentorship level, but because I don't want to give myself too much credit, but I felt that people appreciated a lot of things that were just, they were not just how fast the guy goes. And uh, nowadays, you know, same things, you know, with uh, creating this relationship with William Byron, you know, getting to know the kid from... K&N and see how far it goes. I never had the opportunity to race for Mr. Hendrick, but now I'm there with Mr. Hendrick and the guys at HMS and Junior Motorsport with William, you know, in a different role. Is that the same of driving? No. Obviously, driving is driving. I'm a a racer, (laughs) you know, but at times, you know, you get, you know, I I have satisfaction in doing, in seeing the success. I would have never imagined that I would have had satisfaction in seeing the success of other person playing a small or a big part, however you the other people want to see, in the success of this person as I had with people, some of the guys that I call friends. And I feel that maybe that's, uh, as Michael said, you know, people see in you what you don't see in yourself. And uh, that could be maybe a pretty good example. Yeah, I think so. You've certainly left your mark in many ways. Max, like I said, we'll do this again. I really appreciate you making so much time. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate your time. I appreciate all the guys listening. As I always said, you know, you know, dream can happen. We appreciate Max Pappas giving us so much of his time. He has a very interesting backstory. And I feel as if I undersold his career to some degree during that podcast. He is a Rolex Sports Car Series champion. He is a three-time winner in what was then Champ Car or Kart Series. He is a seven-time starter in Formula One. He is a top 10 finisher in the Cup Xfinity Truck Series in NASCAR. He has been a driving tutor for Austin Ty Dillon and William Byron. And oh, by the way, he also started the company that built the steering wheels for every driver in this year's Daytona 500. Even though I focused on the what might have been for Max Pappas, when you hear that resume, you realize he could have been a star in so many series if the brakes had just gone his way or, or the timing had been slightly different. You can also hear why the 47-year-old Italian talks about this being an American dream for the kid from Como, Italy. And it was a treat to hear Max's philosophy of life and racing, as well as those stories about Jimmy Johnson. Max went very deep explaining what racing has meant to him, and we appreciate him sharing those stories and that insight. We have another in-depth NASCAR and NBC podcast next week. A special episode on pit crews. I spent some time with four members of Matt Kenseth's number 20 pit crew recently, and I learned a lot more about some of the nuances and subtleties behind how pit stops work, and I hope you'll enjoy learning about it as well. NASCAR and NBC, of course, returns next week to begin its 2017 broadcast schedule at Daytona International Speedway, kicking off 20 straight races for us. Also had some news recently about NASCAR America, Starting July 5th, the show will originate every Wednesday from the NASCAR Hall of Fame, 
with an in-depth interview with a cup driver. Jeff Burton, Dale Jarrett, Kyle Petty, Steve Letarte, and Rick Allen will be doing many of those interviews. So you certainly should check that out. And also NASCAR America is moving to a new time, 5 to 6 p.m. daily on NBCSN. So make sure to watch it at the new time, 5 p.m. daily on NBCSN, but especially on Wednesdays starting after Daytona. It's going to be a great interview series every week with a cup driver. And as NASCAR and NBC resumes its coverage, a reminder, you can go to NBCSports.com live for live streaming of all broadcast events, as well as full event replays of races and NASCAR America programming. You always can catch replays of any episode of the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by STP on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Audioboom, Google Play, Spotify, virtually any podcasting app. You should be able to find the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by STP. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. If you like what you hear, or better yet, if you like what you hear, just tweet about it or post about it on social media somewhere or tell a friend. Spread the word that you like the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by STP. That really helps us out. If you have feedback on guest suggestions or ideas, send them to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan. I got some good suggestions lately and definitely have some ideas for the future, so I appreciate that. Thanks again for your support and for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by STP. I'm Steve Letarte, STP auto expert and former crew chief. I know what it takes to keep engines performing at their best. STP's latest breakthrough additive, STP Ultra 5-in-1 plus Fuel System Cleaner plus Fuel Stabilizer delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline and helps keep fuel fresh during storage. For over 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products to help engines run better, longer. One bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/slash activecash.